2: Good afternoon, everyone. I trust you're having a great day. Uh, The weekend is fast approaching, something to look forward to for certain. Well, Newfoundland and Labrador's aging demographic is no surprise to anyone who's been paying any attention to population trends, the discussions involving government, and articles in the news of late. In recent years, of course, the conversation has been had about the social determinants of health and looking at ways to help seniors age in place. Right now, there are a variety of services available to people as they age but one group those who represent personal care homes fear that the services they provide are being somehow lost in the mix. My guests today are Beverly Russell the President of the Quality Living Alliance for Seniors. Hello Beverly. Is she there? And Executive Director of the Quality Living Alliance Susan Sullivan. Hello Susan. And for some reason we don't oh So there's some reason we're not hearing from them. Uh, Are they there now, Claudette? Hello? Hello. Okay, we've got you both. Uh, So uh, I guess, um, Beverly, let's start with you. What is the Quality Living Alliance? Yeah, so we're uh,
1: an association that represents, uh, I mean, the personal care home industry represents about 5,000 senior beds in the province. And we're an association that represents many of the homeowners. Uh, within the within the industry that provides the care we together have many years of experience uh, in providing care to the seniors and uh, so we came together as an association an attempt to network and share ideas collaborate with government and you know continuously improve the industry and the care provided for the seniors in the, uh, in the province. So who specifically do you represent? So, we represent uh, mostly the homeowners that have the larger homes. So, that there's a number of those within the province, right? Uh, different homeowners.
2: And these are all privately run? These are all privately run. That's correct, yeah. All over the province, mostly in rural areas? Uh, it's all over the province. It's in rural. It's in uh, urban. We're, at, we're located right across the island from east to central to west to northern Susan Sullivan and a lot of people will recognize Susan she's a former uh, cabinet minister in the provincial government Uh, Susan what are personal care homes specifically and how do they differ from long-term care let's say or or other senior living arrangements
0: That's a really good question, Linda, and it's an important question for us to address here today. So personal care homes are private residential settings, and they're primarily for seniors and other adults that are requiring assistance with what we call activities of daily living. And so we could be talking about basic self-care tasks that people need to do every day, um, you know, eating, bathing, dressing, uh, medication, administration, and so on. Um, They're licensed by the regional health authorities, and they're licensed to provide either level one, level two, or enhanced care for the senior, depending on an assessment long-term care homes in this province, and, and so there's often a, a problem with people understanding across the, the country the difference because we use different terminology in different provinces. But in this province, long-term care facilities generally provide level three and four nursing care to seniors, and so they would have more complex needs in a, in a nursing care setting.
2: So they provide, I suppose, services to people who need that little bit of help, but don't necessarily need a lot of medical...
0: Yeah, the personal care homes, yeah, that's precisely it. That's precisely it. And, and, you know, within the personal care home setting, the focus is on providing and meeting the social determinants of health. And we've heard a lot of talk around social determinants of health, both through the uh, Health Accord and through some of the recommendations that have come from the PERT report as well. And th- those these social determinants of health, you know, they include things such as um, cognitive stimulation, proper nutrition, regular rest and sleep, um, uh, social interaction, those are the the determinants of health that are recognized by, um, you know, all of the major researchers, Harvard Medical School, McMaster, the World Health Organization, and so on. They all recognize those particular um, issues as being those that will determine the best health outcomes for our seniors. And uh, so, personal care homes are designed specifically to help to provide all of those particular and meet all of those particular needs for seniors. And we do that in a variety of ways. Um, I think when people walk into a personal care home these days, they see a home that is vastly different from homes of the past. And so you're going to see exercise classes and gardening and lobster suppers and Bible classes, and musical entertainment. We have darts leagues in some of our homes. Um, There are regular outings and bus trips and arts and craft classes. I mean, we can go on special occasion activities and so on. And so the intent always is to provide that home like setting, first of all, for our seniors, so that they feel like where they reside is their home. And, and that's how they identify to us all the time. This is my home, and within this home, my needs are met. And particularly, what we know is that social needs and cognitive development needs being met, as well as, you know, the proper nutrition, rest, and so on. You know, ensuring that those needs are met means that we have a healthier senior.
2: So they're not institutions or anything like that. They don't have that institutional feel. They have that homey kind of feel.
0: Precisely. That's a wonderful way to describe it, and is exactly what every single home aspires to create within their personal care setting.
2: So, what type of services do you provide? Uh, obviously, you have to feed people, so you're going to need, a, a, um, you know, a kitchen facility. What other kinds of things do you need to have in in some of these facilities?
0: Well, obviously, uh, you know, as you say, those those you know, uh, or those, those particular um, needs are met through you know the, the the kitchens and the congregate living settings and the sense of dining rooms and so on. But many of our newer homes are also providing, uh, for example, a space where if you wanted to invite your family in for a meal there's a smaller little kitchen there where you could do that and have your family in and cook your own meal right there for a family setting or or have them bring in a meal for a special celebration and so on there are recreational activities and so there are areas of the home that are designated to it um we've seen cafes go up in some of our new homes the newer homes where they put in a little cafe so you can go and have your afternoon coffee as you would if you were living at home you'd go out somewhere and have a cup of coffee Um, we've seen a number of different kinds I mean you know you you see some that have bowling lanes installed and so on uh, in some of the newer homes Um, but there's an emphasis as well on providing other kinds of care within our personal care homes should that be required respite care is, is something that I think of palliative care is something else that I think of so that you actually can age in place in these personal care homes.
2: Beverly, who typically avails of these types of services? Well, I mean, many, uh,
1: many seniors. I mean, from the, from the seniors that would need uh, a moderate amount of care or independent, really, to those that would require quite a lot of care. I mean, we're, we're basically licensed for most of us for a level one, two, an enhanced care model. But we have also worked with government over the past months to evolve with the needs of the seniors of the province as we are seeing them uh, age uh, with with other determinants of health in the physical sense. Uh, You know, we do provide we are we we now provide respite care. We're we're just entering into a short stay program for. residents that would need to be uh, assessed and determined where they could be placed this program was developed to, uh, with government in conjunction with government to uh, free up a lot of the acute care beds uh, that seniors are in and we have the ability to uh, be able to provide that type of service to our seniors so we are evolving actually with the evolving needs of our seniors in the province and um, we, we we have worked with the department in, in the sense of uh, trying to develop a model of care that uh, would equate to all the things Susan just mentioned, plus the things I am now talking about, because we believe, uh, you know, uh, it's a, our, our population growth, uh, senior population growth, is astounding actually and it's it's, a, it's getting worse every year so we need to be transitional in uh, our our group has decided to try to be transitional in how we can service the most seniors in the province and i believe we've done an exemplary job um unfortunately um at this point uh you know we have worked with government to to develop some of these services but they have not supported us in the financial means so uh, but we we are the one thing we we can say is our residents provide we provide quality of care to our residents. So, um
2: And I want to get into the funding and your funding model and and government support when we come back after Mm -hmm. the break. My guests today on On Target are Beverly Russell, president of the Quality Living Alliance for Seniors and executive director of the Quality Living Alliance, Susan Sullivan. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at one on your VOCM. My guests today are with the Quality Living Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador. Beverly Russell is president of the Quality Living Alliance for Seniors and executive director of the Quality Living Alliance is Susan Sullivan. And Susan, how are personal care homes regulated? What sort of standards do you have to be met?
0: Oh, The operational standards... that govern the organization are many. In fact, we've just recently undergone um, a review of those standards, and we've worked uh, cooperatively with government to uh, to upgrade and to revise those particular standards. I, from my previous work, know that we're perhaps in Newfoundland and Labrador the best regulated of personal care homes in the country. Uh, I know that when I was in health, we shared much of what we had been doing around operational standards right across this country and we're seen as as a leading light in terms of how well our homes are operated and I I think we have to look no further than the pandemic to show proof of that. Up until Omicron we had zero cases of of the COVID-19 virus in our homes in this province. And that speaks largely to how well regulated and how well we adhere to the operational standards required. In fact, the Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, called us and asked what we were doing here, how it was that we were doing so well. And uh, so, you know, I think without question, we can say that the operational standards that we have in place in this province uh, through the Department of Health and Communities, services administered through the, the regional health authorities are working very, very well.
2: Indeed, because we did see some pretty horrific circumstances in other areas. Uh, Quebec comes immediately to mind.
0: And that's precisely right. But, you know, our homeowners stepped up. And they, they imp- implemented some of the protocols long before they were ever mandated. And that's a real tribute to them and the care and compassion that they show the seniors of this province.
2: Have those uh, standards and regulations evolved um, over time? Uh, I know that we've had stories in the past where standards weren't always what they should have been. Uh, how have they evolved? Well, I think it's one of
0: those scenarios where always we're, where there's an eye to how can we improve things here in this province. And but but you know I have absolutely no hesitation in saying that the standards that in that are in place right now are of the highest quality that you're going to find right throughout this country. And I know that uh, the federal government has talked about earmarking about four billion dollars toward long-term care. They call it long-term care when they speak in terms of. Uh, the country, but in terms of homes in general, and they're looking to linking that money to operational standards. They will look to us. I have no doubt here in this province to see uh, to see the standards that we have in place.
2: And Beverly, what is the funding model? How how are you, how do you operate on a on a fiscal level?
1: Yes, yeah, so we we operate uh, through a subsidy uh, that that's that, uh, provided to the senior, the individual senior. Um, most of uh, the seniors that we provide care to, I would say, you know, 90% or in that, in that range would require a subsidy uh, from our government to be able to, um, you know, for us to get the care. Um, so we, we rely heavily on the government uh, and uh, for increases in subsidy amounts uh, with, uh, to be able to provide the high quality of care that we do provide.
2: And what kind of so, costs are involved in in running, um, you know, a typical um, personal care home?
1: Oh, tremendous, millions. Uh, I mean, some of our homes, uh, you know, cost to build, you know, fifteen million dollars to build, and and then uh, you know we've had we've recently seen like um, since uh, we haven't had an increase in our in the subsidy rate since two thousand seventeen. And we've experienced, as everybody has seen in, in our own personal lives, increases like 21% in utility costs, 22% in groceries, 100% in insurance, 30, 30% in staffing costs. So, and I could go on and on. So it's it's astronomical the amounts of increases that we've been experiencing with no increase in subsidy rates from our government, and. Um, you know, it's you know our homes at this point. Some of our homes are at the point of not being able to survive, and the government really needs to step to the plate and and really uh, show us that they're partners in this industry. And especially for the seniors of this province, uh, they deserve better. They deserve to be able to have um, the care that they need, whatever care they choose. And um, you know. Uh, they need, they need to partner with industries. Right now we have hospital beds, uh, hospital floors that are filled with, with seniors. We have uh, wait lists for nursing home beds. Our industry can provide uh, that uh, model of care to help uh, take those seniors out of those hospital beds, which when they're in there uh, for a long period of time, their health decreases. Then the people of the province that would need acute care needs besides the seniors cannot avail of it. So government knows and we have been partnering with them in good faith that, uh, you know, uh, we've implemented new programs to help with that situation. We are a very important part of the healthcare system now and even going to be more impor- important as we move forward. But if government do not support this industry the way that they should, the way that other provinces are every, almost every province, a lot of provinces in Canada right now have come forward in this similar industry and have really supported them financially because the need is great. And yet our government has not. I mean, we have not seen an increase since 2017. And, you know, that's totally unacceptable. And, and this industry will not survive. Without the support of this province,
2: Beverly, what would it mean if a if a personal care home uh, does find it difficult to keep going? What what happens if it shuts down? What's the impact? Well, well I guess that's a, I guess that's a question
1: that government really should answer because you know where will these seniors go, and what will happen to these seniors? And uh, you know, is the big question, isn't it? Um, you know, we we are very much um, in in fear of that. Uh, I mean, first of all, our, uh, we we are very committed to every senior in this province. For every senior that would choose to go into our home, we are um, we are always committed to giving them the best care that they, they need. I mean, at one point, we've, we've evolved. We, we used to be just level ones and twos. We have introduced various levels of care because that's what the seniors of our province need. And we are like at least six to seven times more cost effective than a long-term care setting. And, and then we're probably 10 times more cost effective than, uh, than a senior occupying a bed in, on, on a ward or a unit in an in acute care setting. So, you know, our province cannot fiscally sustain that. When, when there we have an option, we are the option to be able to provide a quality service that is affordable and sustainable especially in the now and in the go-forward piece uh, with this aging population.
2: And that brings us up to the provincial budget, and I want to talk to you both about that when we come back after the break. My guest today, who you just heard from, Beverly Russell, President of the Quality Living Alliance for Seniors and Executive Director of the Quality Living Alliance, former Health Minister Susan Sullivan. will be back right after this.
0: Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.
2: My guests today um, represent the Quality Living Alliance. Uh, Beverly Russell is president and executive director is Susan Sullivan. And Susan, um, what prompted me to reach out to the two of you was uh, the fact that... uh, Uh, You had issued a release indicating that uh, you were a little disappointed with the last provincial budget. What was there for the personal care home sector? To say that we were disappointed
0: is really an understatement. I mean, we felt totally disrespected and deflated. We have tried so hard to collaborate and work with government, and, and to be fair, with the government officials, that has been happening. We've we've done a fair bit of work with the officials, but in terms of trying to deal with the minister and other ministers within government. Uh, We've been told repeatedly something is going to come for personal care homes. Well, it hasn't come now for five years. Since 2017, we haven't seen one cent. Uh, There was some pandemic money, but frankly, that's federal government money that was administered through the province. There hasn't been anything that has come. And yet we've watched as all of the unions in the province have seen increases. We've watched as we've seen other organizations in the province, and rightfully so for all of these people, by the way, uh, receive some financial help. But the personal care home industry, which is dealing with the most vulnerable of the population and is able to provide such wonderful quality service to the residents of this province, has received nothing. And not only that, there are so many economic benefits to the province, to government, provided through the personal care home industry that it just absolutely baffles us. We were led to believe that perhaps in this budget we would see something and uh, when there was absolutely nothing listed for us, nothing named, nothing at all for care homes. Uh, I can't tell you how members felt um, any better than to give you some examples of people who called me and said, Susan, I don't know how much longer I can keep going. I don't know how much longer I can keep my home going. And we've, we've given that information to government. We have told them that, and yet there was absolutely nothing. They talk about a Deloitte report, uh, which was commissioned, I believe, back in 2018. I stand corrected to be corrected on that, but I'm, I'm 90% sure it was 2018 when they started the process of looking at new funding models for us. Those numbers that they prepared that were just set aside during the pandemic are now stale they they really need to be looked at again so their answer to us has been that they're going to go back and have deloitte take another look at the numbers well that's good but the problem is right now homes are suffering right now the possibility of homes closing exists right now what are we going to do if homes have to close where are those seniors going to go who is going to look after them We already have overcrowded hospital beds. We, in our long-term care beds, have a shortage of beds there as well. Personal care homes have a vacancy rate right now of about 30%. Seniors are languishing in their homes or in hospital beds. When we have available beds and superior care to be able to give them, but we need government to be a partner with us. They have to step to the plate. They have to help out with the financial subsidy that the seniors require. And it just didn't happen again for the fifth budget in a row.
2: We know, all know how much things have changed in the last five years. So um, as you indicated, it would make sense to do uh, have another look uh, at uh, the funding model, but how long will that take? <laughs>
0: That's that's the million-dollar question. How
2: long is it going to take this time?
0: We've waited now since 2018. In 2018, we were that's exactly what was said. We'll engage Deloitte. We'll we'll work through a new funding model, and uh, we've tried to work with them. We've contributed to the process the report was released. We were told it was a very, very dense report and that Deloitte would sit with us and go through the report. Well, that got put off because of the pandemic. And frankly, uh, you know, at the outset, yes, I understood that. But, you know, Zoom meetings can happen. We can still sit with them. That did not happen. But, you know, as I said, those numbers now are absolutely useless. So they will have to pay for another look at that altogether. And, you know, as as Beth just pointed out personal care homes are the best bang for the buck on the continuum of care for seniors care when we talk about home support personal care homes long-term care and acute care beds we know and we've done the the surveys uh, we commissioned a report of our own through a cpa and so we know that we're the cheapest option for government we make a difference to the bottom line for government but we we still really need their help, and they're not looking our way.
2: Did personal care homes have to accrue added costs due to COVID?
0: Oh, absolutely. There were you know there were costs around. Um, The PPE, for sure, around cleaning supplies, but the biggest cost would be around staffing. I mean, additional staff was required. Uh, People were off sick. You had to have additional complements of staff to cover that. Uh, We had to have additional staff to even be on the doors so that people couldn't come in. Or if they, at times when they were allowed to come in to visit, then you had to sign in. You had to know where they were. So there was always that demand, and, and Beth can probably add more to that. But yes, there were huge increases in costs as a result of the pandemic, and homes stepped up to that every single time. I know that certain homes, for example, bought new equipment that would allow them to tray food to the resident's room because there was a time when congregate eating wasn't permitted. So these big warming trays at thousands and thousands of dollars in order to be able to bring the food. Uh, to the rooms of the seniors so all yes there were all sorts of costs that were incurred by the uh, by the industry
2: in terms and of staffing I, I de- ad- yeah bev i just wanted to ask you quickly in terms of staffing uh, uh um, were there any problems in in getting labor i know we've been talking a lot in this province about labor shortages were there any issues with that um,
1: yeah. Yes, there was uh, through, uh, yeah, there is, but we, we uh, incurred, that, that was the other thing I was going to mention, quite a bit of overtime uh, with regards because, I mean, our staff also got sick on times. But we uh, we maintained the staffing level uh, that our that the um, care model that we the care we provided to our seniors didn't suffer one little bit so i mean when the time when the time was needed managers and everybody kicked in to do whatever they could but if i could add to the expense side of it it's not just the expenses that was incurred through covid it was the lack of admissions we lost tremendous thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars through no emissions, no admissions um, because um, there were at least three or four times we would uh, have a freeze on admissions for two and three months at a time. So the revenue source to be able to offset the expense source wasn't even there. So this industry pretty much got crippled. It was, it was waiting for um, an increase in subsidy prior to COVID. Well, COVID just crippled us. And now with all the rising uh, costs of living that I that I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, plus uh, the, the uh, slow uh, um, admission uh, system that we have. Which, if I could just speak for two seconds on that, it is probably the second biggest barrier we are finding. I mean, as the as the standards needed to evolve, the assessment and placement system is, is antiquated, and it was pro- it is a single entry system. It probably worked when it was integrated many years ago, but that system also has taken on a lot, a lot more of uh, single entries. That takes care of community care homes, long-term care, long-term care homes, personal care homes, and the assessment and placement process for our seniors of the province is weeks and months. So we haven't been been able to. Um, to place seniors, the frustration level out there, I would suggest Susan and I take weekly, uh, daily calls. The managers take daily calls. We take weekly calls from homeowners saying the dire conditions that some families are in waiting for assessments and waiting for their, their seniors to be placed. I'm not saying that it's the people that work at these places. I'm saying that system needs a total overall. We have advocated for placement services Susan and I, in our meetings, saying that you need to staff it up until you revamp it. Uh, it has been a minor, little bit better in the last couple of weeks, but not, not near what the seniors of this province deserve.
2: You uh, mentioned off the top there, Bev, uh, the lack of admissions having a, a real impact. But it struck me as you were saying that because um, families weren't even allowed in in many cases. And I would imagine yeah. that families, some are very, um, you know, hands-on, so to speak, and they help to ease some of that burden of care uh, that had to be then filled by your staff. Well,
1: uh, they do. But we, we are staffed according to the number of residents we do have in our home. So, you know, that's how we staff our our, uh, our homes. So, therefore, um, you know, the lack of admissions from the financial perspective, there were people waiting to come into our homes that couldn't because, of course, uh, you know, the COVID uh, outbreak. And uh, so, yes, those people, though, weren't already admitted into our homes. So, I mean, we the staffing piece we refer to, uh, is the staffing of the number of residents we currently had in our homes at, at any given time? So uh, that was quite. I mean, we had to increase uh, infection control protocols, and and we had to replace staff as they would get sick. And so it was a it was a lot. I mean, we had to serve our residents that usually get served in our dining rooms individually in their rooms. It was in the tr- it, it, it was a tremendous amount of uh, work and effort uh, to uh, manoeuvre our way through the pandemic.
2: My guests today on On Target are Beverly Russell, President of the Quality Living Alliance, and Executive Director Susan Sullivan. We'll be back right after this.
0: Your VOCM
2: Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. And my guests today represent the Quality Living Alliance, Beverly Russell and Susan Sullivan. And Susan, um, are, what are the economic benefits to government in the operation of personal care homes? What, do they, what does it mean?
0: There are huge economic benefits to government, as I said. We're the cheapest of options in terms of the continuum of care, um, and, and, and you know that's that's corroborated through all of the studies and all of the research that we have done. We're the cheapest option to government. But apart from that, you know, if we just talk about direct employment, for example, $64 million. And and these are slightly old numbers now. They're about, you know, 2018 numbers. $64 million is generated for the province in terms of direct employment for, um, for people in this province. And so these employees, they work in all parts of the province, urban, rural communities. And for the most part, they're second salaries, and so that allows families to afford a better standard of living, and uh, within that $64 million, of course, they're contributing to the economy through grocery stores, corner stores, pharmacies, food establishments, um, recreational venues, and so on. It's a direct infusion of cash into the local economy. And for some of our smaller communities in Newfoundland and Labrador, it's important to point out that the personal care home is perhaps the largest employer in that area. In terms of indirect and induced jobs within the, um, the economy, we're looking at again 2018 numbers now. So these are, you know, are have increased substantially, I'm sure. But we're looking at another 38 million dollars of money into the economy, and because all personal care homes, they make major purchases from food suppliers, pharmacies, medical supply companies, um, furniture stores. Uh, and snow clearing companies, home improvement companies, and so on. So, you know, again, not small change. And then, of course, through the new new home construction that has been going on to meet the demanding need, um, as identified, incidentally, in the Deloitte report, and because we know we're an aging population, we can't wait to get to the point where we need a new home. I mean, homeowners are looking, seeing the need and building these homes. Um, There's about, in 2018 anyway, $236 million infused into the economy uh, through the capital cost of construction of those homes, which is a gift to government. Government doesn't pay one red cent for the infrastructure that is provided. Their only, only obligation is to help out with the subsidies that some of our seniors require. But if you look at all of of this money that is put into the economy, and then if you consider as well that we are the lowest cost option for government in terms of seniors care, it's absolutely baffling to me why government doesn't do a better job of supporting this industry financially.
2: Beverly, we have about uh, four minutes left. I'll give you each two minutes to sort of sum up. What's your message now uh, to government? Yeah well, my message to
1: government, we've been working uh, uh, quite a long time now uh, and being told that we're partners, uh, we're, we're, we're needed. Uh, you know the, uh, the growing population of seniors they can't do without this industry. Um, so you know we take that to heart. We've worked very, very hard on with different uh, venues in government to uh, provide uh, some input into how that looks. So I guess from my perspective, I mean, our industry is totally dissatisfied with this government. And it's, it's smarting from the blatant disrespect that's shown, as I said in the press release, uh, uh, for the seniors of the province and, and the need of their care. So I'd like to invite government to truly be a partner with us. Uh, this can't be a one-sided. And, uh, you know, we have, we have the solutions for the, the high health care costs this province is experiencing. I mean, we're the highest per capita with the lowest outcome of, of health. Uh, you know, we really need to, they really need to look at this, and uh, we want to be a solution. I think we are a solution, and they need to, to, to be the true partner that,
2: um, that this, the seniors in this province and this industry needs. Susan, about two minutes left. Final thoughts? Well, you know,
0: I, I want to say that when I was in health, I was really taken by the care that was provided by personal care homeowners and how concerned they were to ensure that the seniors of this province got the best quality care that they could possibly get how they looked at changing and and redesigning and meeting the needs of seniors where the seniors were to ensure that they could be the best looked after in this country and the goal i think should always be not to bring years to the lives of the seniors but to bring life to the years of the seniors. And I can tell you from everything that I have seen, and I've seen it up close and personal, this industry does this. What we need now is we need the help of government to continue to do this and to ensure that the seniors of this province are as well served as they can possibly be, as they deserve to be. We need specifically an increase in subsidy, we need a change in in how the uh, assessment process the placement process is is conducted within the uh, within this province government has just got to step up and it has got to help out in bigger ways we can't wait for another deloitte report the seniors of this province can't wait for more consultations to happen the problem is now it needs to be addressed now and I I shudder to think what is going to happen if government doesn't step up and help out as it should. Homes are on the verge of closing. We need to do better than that for the seniors of this province.
2: Susan Sullivan and Beverly Russell, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate it. And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.